Welcome to Folklore on the Rocks. <laughs> Hi there, everybody. I'm Logan. I'm Lindsay. And this is Folklore on the Rocks. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it is good to be back. Uh, we did take some time off. I was very, very sick. Thanks to uh, everybody who, well, who, who was worried about us. But we we were back and better than ever. Hooray! <laughs> I'm excited about that. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's good weird to, be to back. not. It's weird to not have an episode. I know. Um, <laughs> I, I've missed it, especially as we were. We, we started to get uh, some feedback from from really some places we weren't expecting to reach, and some really cool things back. And then, well, had to take a little break just to get better again. <laughs> yeah, life life gets in the way yeah. sometimes. But we are here. We have a really interesting episode for you guys tonight actually. Our creature next week is from Antarctica, which yeah, we have been I guess Antarctica. I never know how to say it. Whatever. <laughs> it's going to be a problem. Um <laughs> but it's the one we've been promising you guys for a very long time. Yeah, Antarctica. It's pretty special and it's it's not only special because it's Antarctica. It's special because it's it's a pretty new uh, myth. It's a pretty recent story that has really kind of grown very quickly. And so while we were examining the folklore that kind of generated this story, uh, we decided to look instead, instead of looking at one particular place, because Antarctica just doesn't have a whole lot of other folklore and stories that comes from there. Uh, instead, we thought we would look at some of the newer stories that have very recently kind of appeared and how really folklore has continued to grow, uh, especially using the new tools that have become available to people. The internet is obviously what we're going with this week. You've seen the title of the episode now. Um, And it is this really strange world where something can happen and then it's known immediately all over the world. Oh, yeah. It spreads like wildfire. And and it's amazing for like folklorists and anthropologists to see how something can grow and can spread, which is exactly the kind of stuff we're talking about tonight. Yeah, suddenly, instead of just somebody, you know, writes a story on the wall of a cave and a couple people see it, now it's somebody tweets it and it goes out to the entire world. And we maintain we are a monsters and folklore podcast, (laughs) damn it. We are not true crime. We are not conspiracy theories. But uh, for this one, we kind of have to keep an open mind about what is a myth, because really, we humans are creating folklore all the time. And as we are starting to be able to communicate with one another really as a species across continents and spread information in just in a matter of seconds, uh, it's really interesting to see what stories are really popping up. Yeah, Uh, I mean, I think it's very strange to be able to see a tale evolve, you know, and that's I think that's why it's so exciting for people that study uh, folklore in this way, because I mean, you see every single step and, you know, every folktale that we talk about on this show essentially started in a similar manner to the way that these stories start, right? Something happened and then people build up and create things around this event and suddenly you have, you know, some magical folktale that has all these characters and now we don't know what it was that happened, what it was that sparked that, you know, was it some mom trying to put her kid to bed one night and then she told her neighbor and it passed on to her, the whole village and beyond and beyond, you know, it's yeah, exactly or was it the a high same... school rumor that spread yeah. and, and spiraled out of control? Exactly. It's the same kind <laughs> of thing. They grow organically. We just happen to literally be able to go to the threads or the subreddits that these started and we can see the post on the day that it was made and it's it's crazy that's always something that's so interesting about it is in the days of you know in the days of the internet we can now (laughs) chart all of the the history behind something yeah it's everything comes with its own little bibliography if you're willing to do the research on it yeah it's really neat i think yeah it's like Um, going to know your meme or urban dictionary and you can dig it all up and find the story behind it it's really cool (laughs) So we do have a cocktail for you guys tonight. Yes. And this one is named after one of the folktales 
ish <laughs> that we'll be talking about tonight. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it is the Slender Man. Um, so this cocktail is made up of one and a half ounces of gin. You can use your favorite. My personal favorite gin is Hendrix. It is my favorite thing to drink, basically. I love gin so much. I love Hendrix. I love Bombay Sapphire. That's my um, favorite there. Yeah, Beefeater is all right, but you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, there's, uh, I can't, there was a botanical one that I had recently that was really good too. I can't remember what it's called. So then we have one and one half ounces of dry vermouth. We've got one quarter teaspoon of maraschino liqueur. So this is not the same as like the bright red maraschino cherry stuff that you get. Like, yeah, it's not going to come out that. tasting like the top of a sundae. It's it, no. it's, it's not your Shirley Temple stuff. No, <laughs> um, it is liqueur that's made from marasca cherries, which are grown on the Croatian coast. It's clear Instead of that bright red, it's relatively dry, and it's actually made from the sh- the sour cherries and the crushed pits, and it's distilled, kind of like brandy is, and it has a very subtle bitter almond flavor. Um, so it's not exactly it's not what you expect when you hear the word maraschino, but it is an awesome additive to a ton of drinks. It's something that you may not have heard of that would be great to get for your liquor cabinet uh, to add into new things. And then we have a quarter teaspoon of anisette, which is anise-flavored liqueur. It is similar to like Sambuca or absinthe in that regard. So it kind of has that licorice flavor. Yeah. And then we have two dashes of orange bitters. So everything in this drink is totally clear. The bitters are the only things that would add a little bit of color. Yeah, so, it's kind of... It reminds me of, of the clear gummy bears that... <laughs> They have a flavor. They aren't nothing flavor, but it just doesn't give it away visually. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, and essentially, this is the tuxedo cocktail, but it instead of being in a martini glass like it would typically be, this is the Slender Man. So it's in a champagne flute, which is long and tall, like mm-hmm. the Slender Man. Yeah, this is fun. Usually, when I when I'm having martinis, I I. All about the olives. The olives are kind of, they set the stage for the rest of the drink. <laughs> but with this one, it kind of lets the other flavor shine through. And yeah, nice. and I think I think the, the kind of the elements of, because um, you have the floral of the gin, like you basically have a martini and you add a few di- additional things into it, right? And I think they just really enhance the flavor. So I'm, I'm enjoying it. How about you? Yeah, it's very nice. It's uh, <laughs> but it is But it is a little... It does have that kind of otherworldly feel to it, just a touch. The, that, mm-hmm. the, the, the gin just kind of lifts you out and says that the spirits are in the air tonight. <laughs> Literally, the spirits. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, I did really quickly want to mention, because we are talking about Internet folktales, and I guess I, I kind of mentioned this a little bit before, but there are new fields of study coming about in regards to internet folklore. They're essentially labeled uh, digital humanities. So it's kind of a new interdisciplinary like scholarly field of study. And I found a really good article about meta folklore, which is like folklore about folklore. Cool. I found a couple things. I found a really good article that was done by Folklore Thursday, which is an amazing hashtag on Twitter. Every Thursday, they come up with a new theme and people all over Twitter post about different things that have like different folklore around the world that have to do with whatever that subject of the week is. Uh, And they're fantastic, but they also have a blog and I will link the article in our show notes. So you guys can check that out. And then um, there's also something that that I found with the meta folklore about the rules of the internet. So I don't know, maybe you guys have seen this before, but it's... I feel like they've kind of been kind of gathered up over the years. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, they're a little bit silly. They're kind of like, you know, rule one is 
don't I can't remember what exactly what it is, but like don't talk about the internet. Rule two, don't talk about the internet. Yeah, yeah, you know? standard. <laughs> um I think one of the other rules was like if it exists, there's porn about it. That would be rule thirty four right there. Uh, exactly, yeah. yeah. Um <laughs> so I'm gonna put those in our show notes as well, so you can go and um take a peek at those if you haven't seen them. But that's the kind of stuff we're talking about. You know, those are the things that exist. They are kind of the brackets around folklore regarding the internet, you know, and how it grows and how it progresses. Um, and it's, it's just interesting to look into, you know, it's, a oh, new it's thing. fascinating uh, to see how humans have adapted their behavior to get around the limitation that comes to being bound with uh, text and images only, however, being also granted anonymity. Exactly. Uh, and just and watching it grow. Takes an entirely different human experience. Uh, and really, people are growing together and creating stories in an entirely different way. Yeah, I think, it, I mean, it's it's wonderful in some ways and awful in others. And it's this yeah. weird dynamic <laughs> that we're just kind of have this, this weird line we're trying to straddle and figure out, you know, what... <laughs> where to go you know i like both of us we come from the days where when we were little the internet was a thing but it wasn't in everyone's home right oh we yeah we were really lucky that dial-up uh, days you know yeah AOL we, we actually had to do research in books once upon a time <laughs> uh, for for school this was a thing i promise uh <laughs> well i mean we yeah. tried <laughs> I did, and i least. remember i remember when when my family very first got the internet I didn't actually see the point of it. I thought, well, anybody I need to talk to, I have several other ways to do so. Why would I need an, I've got one my more phone. way I can to just do call. Yeah. And now we avoid calling anybody as much as possible. Oh, At yeah. least I, I do. do. <laughs> I, the only calls I get are robocalls and butt dials. Yeah, That's I do it. not answer my phone. <laughs> if you leave me a voicemail, I might call you back. I'll probably just text you, <laughs> yeah. um, which is a weird thing, you know, that we go from this this idea of like, why would I need that to this moment where it clicks and we're like, oh, everything is literally at my fingers. I yeah. can talk to the opposite side of the world on a video chat instantly, you know, and now we couldn't we couldn't live without it. Right. I think our you and I, our generation, it's it's interesting in that regard, because we've kind of seen both sides of the coin. We've seen a lot of changes in our time, indeed. <laughs> but it gives us a really interesting perspective, you know? Like, yeah. we, our parents, we can kind of see them approaching it hesitantly. Um, mm. And then, you know, like our younger siblings or our nieces and nephews, they've only ever known it. So it's it's this weird way that we can kind of translate to both generations or surrounding us. Yeah, it's an interesting thing that's happening to human, I guess, consciousness. We are, in many ways, outsourcing huge chunks of our brains to machines. Mm -hmm. And what are we using that brain power for otherwise? Right, you know, what's keeping our, what's keeping our brains active? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And uh, I, I used to teach, uh, you know, kids of a lot of different ages, and it's interesting to see Sometimes it's very easy to to mix up knowing something and having the ability to research it very quickly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you'll say, "Have you ever heard of this?" Yes, of course we've heard of that. Could you tell me what about it? What do you it? know? Yeah, nothing. nothing I know what what the Wikipedia entry tells me when I Google it. Give me five it. minutes to Google it. Yeah, but that's and also an it, interesting thing that you can. And, you know, in many ways, I've done the same thing. Uh, I've, I've worked a lot in, in different roles, sometimes in, in like tech support or customer service, where I can't promise an answer right now. But instead of saying, I don't know, I have the ability to say, give me five minutes and let me find out for you. And that's... My mind will tell you. Something really cool. Yeah. It's obviously got its pros and cons, but it's it's definitely interesting to watch. It's, it's interesting to see what is happening and what is going to happen in the future. Yeah. Well, sure. and, and, and really I, I live a pretty tech forward early adopter lifestyle and, and really it's, uh, it's a matter of just the, the philosophy that technology really only moves one direction. You use what you can and find ways to keep telling stories and keep connecting with people. Mm -hmm. It's not about finding ways to disconnect and isolate. And that can happen. 
but it's all i mean it really it's up to you you know are you using tech as a crutch are you Mm -hmm. using tech as a supplement to better yourself and to connect more with people you know so it's it's good things and bad things can happen but it's really up to you to decide what you want to do right and from that i think Another really cool thing that we get from the internet is the ability for people to be endlessly creative and be creative together. Uh, And that's kind of what we have for you guys tonight is a couple of a couple of situations where that's exemplified. And the first one that we are going to talk about tonight is Slenderman. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's a good place to start right there. (laughs) I think it is. I think it's probably the most prolific known internet folktale, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But and of of course, I mean, we're just going to grab on a couple of these just as examples to discuss. Yeah. uh, We could do a ton more, but that's not our show. (laughs) We could dig deep if if we're going to say, you know, we're now an internet, uh, you know, stories podcast. (laughs) We'll be here all night. But... Uh, and really, start this this yeah this <laughs> yeah this one show we're gonna stay kind of light on the surface and really look at this through the lens of a species creating its folklore given an entirely new set of tools. Yeah, it's it's so, so interesting to see how this evolves. So uh, let me tell you the tale of Slenderman. Yeah, Lindsay knows what's up. <laughs> I know what I researched. <laughs> um, okay, so essentially, Slenderman he is a pure product of the internet. We know the exact how and the exact when of when he was created. This is extremely unusual for any urban legend. Anything of its kind, it's exceptionally unusual. Yeah, this guy's practically got a birth certificate. He does. I mean, like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I have a link to the post where this started, and I will put it in our show notes, but you can go back and you can see where he first appeared, which was on the Something Awful forums, And it was under a thread that was titled, Create Paranormal Images. So basically, on June 10th, 2009, a guy in Florida by the name of Eric Knudsen, his username is Victor Serge, he created a couple of Photoshop images with captions. One was a photograph of several morose-looking kids with a tall, faceless, creepy figure in the back with a quote that said, We didn't want to go. We didn't want to kill them. But its persistent silence and outstretched arms horrified and comforted us at the same time. 1983, photographer unknown, presumed dead. The other was of a tall, out-of-focus figure next to a tree and with a bit of text that is as follows. Quote, One of two recovered photographs from the Sterling City blaze, notable for being taken the day which... 14 children vanished, and for what is referred to as the Slender Man. Deformities cited as film defects by officials. Fire at library occurred one week later. Actual photograph confiscated as evidence. And that's 19... He also put a 1986 photographer, Mary Thomas, missing since June 13th, 1986. And that's the end of the quote. So he put that photograph with that quote... And from there, other posters just started to kind of create this elaborate backstory that stretches all throughout history, um, like with with other art and photographs. They took like woodcuts and they would like modify the image to look like the Slender Man instead of what was in the original woodcut image, which was like a demon. So it's Slender Man mm-hmm. grabbing a child out of a home rather than a demon grabbing a child out of the home, you know? Yeah. So they kind of worked their way backward and placed him within history. And they kind of started to flesh out his tail and um, it, it just grew. So there was a specific definition of him that kind of, gained notoriety i guess um and it was a post on yahoo answers of all places mm-hmm. um in 2011 back when it was i guess a little less what it is now um <laughs> but that is quote the slender man is a supernatural creature that is described as appearing as a normal human being but he is 
described as being eight feet tall, and he has vectors or extra appendages that are described to be as sharp as swords. The creature is known to stalk humans and may cause disappearances. He is described as a shadow creature that has missing a face. Okay, this is definitely Yahoo Answers. <laughs> yeah, um, that sounds a lot like him. Right. The creature fits into many mythologies and legends from nations such as Germany and Celts, which brings up the possibility that he could be real. A man named Victor Serge found this legend and made his own version of it, which he calls the Slender Man. The Slender Man is not exactly evil, according to mythology, but Victor Serge's version shows him as an evil creature that stalks humans to kill. In mythology, he was actually trying to save you from a painful death by taking you to the underworld early. Oh, okay. So there has been a lot of media surrounding him since this whole thing went viral. But one of the very biggest influences on this myth was uh, the YouTube series by the Marble Hornets. And it was kind of this Blair Witch style series. Um, Mm -hmm. It was essentially three college film students and they released some short videos related to the Slender Man only about 10 days actually after Knudsen's first mention of Slender Man. So they got, they got right on this. Yeah. They Um, thought it was really cool and they had a free weekend. Right. They knew gold when they saw it, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, And they, they depicted him as a tall, skinny, faceless humanoid with the ability to distort film footage, which is what we really know about Slender Man now. Right. Mm -hmm. I think the first time that I remember hearing about Slender Man was with the 2012 video game. Um, it was actually developed in part by the Marble Hornets guys. It was made around the myth, and it was called Slender, the eight pages. And essentially, you had to find eight pieces of paper that are attached to trees around a forest. And Slender Man stalks you throughout this, and you just kind of have to run away from him. Or the game ends in electronic fuzz if he attacks you. Pure psychological horror. Without the need for blood and gore, the game itself was downloaded over 2 million times in the first month that it was available. So I I think I got (laughs) um, one page and then I noped the fuck out. (laughs) I do not do well with horror, surprisingly. Um, There was a sequel to it called slender the arrival that came out the next year in 2013 do you do you Mm -hmm. remember that game logan did you play it no i don't think i did i think i i I must have seen it on ign or something like that but that's not Mm -hmm. one that i i caught back in 2012 uh during those days i would have been strictly pc master race so (laughs) i I I may have missed it if it wasn't on steam sale (laughs) i think it was on the pc actually but okay i the only way i knew about it was because my little brother played it and then I was like, oh, Slender Man, okay. And then he told me about it. He being younger than me, you know, he's like eight years younger than me. He's very much more in touch with what's cool and new and happening in the internet world. He's, he's one of the hip kids. Yeah, he, he knows what's up. <laughs> he's the one who... One of those exactly. He's the one who, yeah. you know, grew up only ever with the internet. So he knows it. So I saw the game through him. I heard about the myth through him. And played the game because he played the game and it looked interesting. And then I was like, no, I can't do this. <laughs> so <laughs> it's scary. I mean, he's, he's, Oh, it's totally scary. Yeah. I, I absolutely know the effect to anybody who thinks that a video game can't be scary. Just please, please adjust your, your thinking on it. Go yes. watch some, if, if you don't personally want to go do it, go watch some cutscenes of it. But really, that interactive element can make it so much more uh, terrifying. It amplifies it so much more because there's a sense of almost the avatar is is you. When you're playing a video game, you kind of get into the feel of, okay, that's the to make this turn, I'm going to have to turn this much. I, I see from this angle, I'm about this tall, I can jump about this high. And I know for me, I grew up playing a lot of video games, and now I kind of go into that same mode when I'm driving a car, for example. <laughs> I can go this fast, I'm this wide, and I can t- I take up this much room, and I can make I can squeeze through here. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh, that's scary. But but yeah. accurate. <laughs> for me, just the the big the big example is when when the dogs first burst through the glass and chase either character down the hallway in the first Resident Evil game. Mm-hmm. That's terrifying. Yeah. Now, it's a little bit older and no urban myths came from it, but it was sheer visceral terror 
uh, for its time. Right. And I think something <laughs> that, that reminds me of that, um, we horror video games are great because you can't look away. Right. The thing that you're fighting, you have to kill. You can't just close your eyes. Can't keep your eye on it. Yeah. yeah. You can't close your eyes like you do in a movie you're, or you're going to die in the game. Right. And mm-hmm. um, something we used to do, I can't remember if you were there for these nights or not, but way back in the day, there was this game called Fatal Frame. And, I know Fatal Frame. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we used to actually like get together and have someone drive the video game and we would all gather in this dark room and just watch someone play this game or we would take turns playing the game i never played the game because no. you know no um yeah <laughs> but can i can i just bring out one of the interesting things about fatal frame yeah. for those of us uh oh, sorry, for, us, for yeah, those of you out there it. who aren't familiar with it um in case you haven't played the game what really makes this a standout game is that it, un, unlike many other games where you're armed with a sword or dagger or machine gun <laughs> or whatever uh, in this one you're up against monsters of the night armed only with a camera just and. a camera and these these are like uh scary ghosty demons that can pin you to the floor with a knife or like they will come after you and you have to catch them at this exact right frame which is the fatal frame so you have to wait till they're exactly close enough to you to take a photograph that will i guess injure them right Mm-hmm. But anything before or after that isn't going to do anything and you're going to get attacked. It's really hard to play in that regard. Um, and it's scary because this thing is coming at you and you, you know, your natural reaction is to look away or at least mine is, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. which is why I didn't play the game. I would just get yelled at a lot. Um, but but it was really fun to watch because I could do that. And it was even scarier for the person that was playing the video game while we were all watching because they couldn't look away, you know? Yeah. So it's I, I, got this really fun got, element to it. <laughs> I've got a friend who is, uh, who grew up being a, a younger brother to two older brothers. And when we play video games, he always says like, it's fine. I grew up just watching. I'm, I'm fine. Just watching the video game mm-hmm. experience because that's what he's used. No, to. it's the same. I, I, absolutely love watching video games because i am atrocious at them if it's not like a puzzle game where i can figure something out and take my time i get super anxious about it it's bad so i'll watch let's plays i watch my little brother play all the time um i enjoy it so you like you have to be the kind of person that does enjoy watching games sometimes you're the person that only enjoys it if you play the games so i understand both ways for sure. See now, now I'm afraid video games have taken on an entirely different new level of terror, uh, and that is virtual reality. Yes, uh, this is this is oh, a, a notice to all VR developers. First of all, thank you for developing in VR. Please make more. <laughs> Second, uh, jump scares are very scary in virtual reality. <laughs> <Yeah>. I'd imagine <laughs> when, so. <laughs> it's when things pop out from the peripherals in what you have accepted as a perceived reality around you. Oh, it's so, it's very, very intense. But I think that's the appeal of of VR, really, you know? I'm loving it. Okay, I think we've tangented into... Yes, meanwhile, yeah. Video games are cool. Video games are cool. We enjoy them. And spooky stuff comes from the internet. Cool. So there was a video game or two of Slenderman. Okay. Yeah. Just moving on from that, kind of what he what he does to his victims kind of varies story to story. Some say that he doesn't kill directly. He he encourages others to do it for him. And unfortunately, this went a little bit too far. And by a little bit, I mean a lot of it. In 2014, when two 12 year old girls stabbed their classmate in an attempt to sacrifice her to Slenderman. I did hear about yeah, that. So yeah. apparently they thought that if they killed for him, he would spare their families when he came, I guess, to take over the world or something like Cthulhu or something. And hmm. as well as invite them to live in his manor with, with them. Their poor classmate was stabbed 19 times and then just yeah. left for dead. She actually managed to crawl all the way onto a nearby bike path and she was found, thank God. And oh, after several surgeries, she recovered enough to start seventh grade the next fall. <laughs> seventh grade. <laughs> Both the girls that attacked her were sentenced to decades of 
involuntary treatment in a state psychiatric institute, obviously. Um, there's been an HBO documentary and a Lifetime movie both made about the stabbing. Regardless of the tragedy that happened due to this myth being taken a bit too far, um, it is it really is an amazing example of how folklore can actually take root and spread. Like, I think it's the most clear thing that we've seen occur over, you know, the, pra- the past couple of decades. Like, something starting being added on to becoming viral, growing even further, becoming like a cemented thing that we have all heard about in some way or another, which is pretty freaking cool. You know, it really offers a lot of insight into just kind of the collective mind of the internet. And I love that. And really, (laughs) yeah, the the unfortunate truth is as soon as somebody got hurt, part of the story became real. It did. And, you know, I mean, you have to think about, you know, there's millions of people that know about this. And haven't done a goddamn thing. It's just a fun, scary story. And then we have, you know, a, a mentally, a couple mentally ill young girls that take it too far. Like, or there's always something. Just misguided, really. I, I, this yeah. is something, this is an example of, we have to be very careful what stories we tell our children. And they are a tool for good or for bad. Uh, and they, they can serve a great purpose. They can really be a great way that we can understand the world around us. Or they can be a way that we can be deceived and the way that we can understand a, a skewed or, or a tainted view of, of, of events. Definitely. Uh, and I, I'm sad that this happened and I'm sad that it happened and is tied to this irrevocably because mm-hmm. it's such a cool thing to occur, you know, and it's like it's a bummer yeah. for the guy yeah, that it, created it because now he's always tied with this attempted murder. <laughs> It's clear that it, 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 I, I wish that it had remained in good fun because it started as kind of a collaborative spooky thing. Exactly. And now a lot of the collaborative minor key, you know, macabre things out there in the internet and the, in the reddits and 4chans of the world, Mm -hmm. they come with disclaimers. So this is, this is purely not real. This is fictional. There will be no hazing. There will be no encouraging of uh, any, crossing into the real world for behavior or anything like that. Uh, and it's sad that that needs to happen. I think as a whole, it does, it, looking at the, 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 the genesis of Slender Man, it does kind of say that we are a people that longs to tell and share stories. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I mean, Since the I, dawn of I time. get that bad things ha- came from it, but it was a cool thing that started. Yeah. And many things have happened kind of the same way, maybe not as as popular and certainly not with as tragic results, uh, but just having uh, that ability to grow and and people wanting it to grow, mm-hmm. uh, that's something really cool. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I, I feel like in my own mind, I've kind of separated the two incidents. It's hard to not talk about them together, but I, these, I mean, these girls doing this awful thing is like a one-off out of the millions of people that are totally normal and didn't try to murder somebody. So like, yeah, that it should be taken with a grain of salt. It isn't, it really isn't part of the Slender Man legacy, but it is at the same time. So it's, mm-hmm. it's weird and it's sad, but the myth is really cool. It's really this perfect example of something starting and growing and how the internet can enable that. And it's just fascinating to, to watch and see. And like I said, I've got the link to the original thread. I'll post it in our show notes. I've got a couple of other really good articles that I'll post right along with that about Slenderman and the story mm-hmm. as a whole. That's got even more information about it. Um, no, it's got a movie. Did you ever see it? I didn't see the movie. Um, no, I heard it wasn't that good. <laughs> Yeah, not always not movies are, are, are the best way to do it. It's hard to make really good horror movies. You know, <laughs> they either turn out, you know, really campy. Maybe the actors aren't great. They have to have like a good budget and good actors and someone and really that they, wants it to be a good horror movie. Yeah, and they have to have just the right level of special effects. They need Guillermo um, del Toro. <laughs> Yeah. That's what they need. Yeah, he's he's a great example of somebody who's very passionate about all the different aspects of filmmaking mm-hmm. and makes a lot of deliberate choices. I've worked with directors that do the same thing. 
And it's really, really fun to be able to ask those, those strange questions of, of what's behind this corner of an unseen part of the set, just so your character knows where they're going and have the director say, oh, well, that's where this is happening. And you need to walk this way because this is coming this way. I imagine Del Toro's the same way. Yeah. He pictures the whole universe functioning in his movies. <laughs> He's a DM. Yeah. Yeah, he really is. <laughs> uh, that's funny. So we are going to move on to our promo this week and Logan is going to read it for us. Yeah. So this one we got via text. Uh, they did not record it, which is just fine. Um, but uh, let's take a listen. Have you ever woken up from a terrible nightmare and wondered what it meant? Wondered why monsters stalk you within your subconscious mind in knowing my nightmares podcast. Charlie Conlon narrates a campfire-styled horror story based on his actual nightmares. Then he breaks down each element within the dream, explaining what messages your subconscious is trying to tell you and what it could mean in your waking life, as well as exploring the lore behind the supernatural monsters within the nightmare. Subscribe to Knowing My Nightmares podcast. It's immersive, informative, and frightening. Remember, if things get too scary, you can always wake up. Yeah. So okay. definitely check cool. that show out. I think you guys will really like it. It's got some of those fun, scary elements while kind of doing a similar thing to what we do in unpacking things. So I think you guys will definitely enjoy it. Now we are going to move on to Logan's internet myth yeah. or folktale. Yes. Yeah, so, so we we talked about so we talked about Slenderman, and that one had kind of. Uh, it, it, it ended badly, and I kind of feel that's why the story didn't really grow. There are a lot of other cryptids associated with uh, internet kind of stories uh, that have kind of grown, and, and, and they've, they've hit different levels of popularity and things like that, but also not just creatures. Uh, there are entire stories about secret shadow government or organizations or uh, aliens that are doing tests from the heavens. So and- many. <laughs> Yeah, uh, one day, uh, if, it, if you haven't already, one day you're going to get somebody telling you very earnestly about the lizard people who live inside the Oh my the god, so many people believe that. Well, yeah. no, they believe now, that, that one, uh, they're like the people around <laughs> us, that they're disguising themselves as humans. Yeah, and I'm not, again, we are not a judgmental podcast. I may often look at things with a skeptical yeah, eye. Yeah, I'm totally judging if you think they're lizard people, I'm sorry. <laughs> But the lizard people argument isn't no. very good. There's a really good episode of Time Suck about the lizard people. Uh-huh. That, um, if you guys are more interested more about that, like that's obviously not really what we do here. But no, it's no, very yeah. interesting. Um, and he does a really good job and he's hilarious. I'll put a link to that in our show notes too. It's a good one, yeah. Uh, and, and I mean, really... We could go on all night. There are tons of other uh, conspiracy podcasts and ones that delve into the, the – this started as a classified document, and now we're looking into the, the sources behind it, something like that. And really, the one that I'd like to share with you is the mystery of Cicada 3301. Ooh. Yeah. Now, this one – this is not one about a monster. I first spotted it it's not a, in the comments. It's not a giant cicada? I kind of thought it was when it first when it first popped up because someone else was mentioning it offhand on a YouTube video pertaining to some other large vast conspiracy, and I'm like, "Ooh, Cicada 3301, tell me more." <laughs> so, so I put on my uh, internet researcher's outfit and jumped on in the rabbit the hole. Outfit. Is it a little deer stalker cap? Yes, <laughs> like Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> And I would not uh, be surprised if you had one, by the way. And so what it what it really is, it's not it has nothing to do with a a physical cicada. Uh, instead, it's uh, that's a signature that was placed at the bottom of three tweets that offered some of the most complex crypt- cryptographic codes that were ever released to the internet for public solving. Hmm. Uh, and, and it was a great, huge treasure hunt. That uh, I mean, it's not quite to the scale of Ready Player One, but it's think along those lines, and you would be correct. It's like that, that same um, element of trying to yeah. find someone. An innocuous but very difficult yeah. clue was left, and only a few people found it. And of those few people who found it first, only a few more people found the next oh, one. God, that's so cool, and so on and so forth. Because like, that was such a cool um, element of Ready Player One that I love. That there's like actually a real world 
version of that. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, these were things like uh, one, one of the tweets said uh, in the original image, this one uh, in the original image that came from this, there are three numbers associated with it. Uh, 3301 is one of them because that was part of this whole big thing. Uh, if you find the other two, uh, multiply them together and add a dot com. That'll give you the address mm-hmm. that you get to go to for the next phase. Cool. And what, an example of the level on this is uh, the answer to that actually turned out to be nothing to do contained within the image, but the actual pixel uh, length and width of the image. Okay, that's multiplied super obscure. By, multiplied by each other, and then 3301, which is kind of the signature number of all this. That's bananas. Who would even, <laughs> who would even think oh, of that? Gets, yeah, it's and that that's like that's like the easy one. That's the oh one that everyone gosh. uses as the example because it's the it's the baby one. There are some prime number stuff in there, and it's and 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 the quote is that it's it was supposed to find intelligent individuals. It, it presented itself as something very special and elite mm-hmm. that they're looking for only the best. Now the the problem is is that a lot of people say it didn't go anywhere that. Three things went out, some people solved it, and a fourth clue never came from any of it. Uh, I like to believe the the ch- chunk of the internet that says only the people who were directly asked the fourth, the fourth question know about it. Yeah, I mean, I, that uh, would follow, right? I mean, at that point, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure they'd narrowed it down to a very select few, if more yeah, than one, I, <laughs> you know? Here's the, here's the crazy part. Or no part. one solved it. I don't know. These are consistent and very, very complex puzzles. Right. That, I mean, one of them was uh, GPS coordinates to 14 different locations around the oh world. Oh, my God. Yeah. And on, Which clearly uh, you have po- to have enough money to do that, to go. Well, and that, and that, that led to people solving it in teams. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. That makes yeah. sense. Again, follow Ready Player One and you'd have the the right yeah. idea. <laughs> or maybe they got this from Cicada thirty three oh one. Maybe. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's a lot of been there's been a lot of conjecture that this has been a recruiting tool for the NSA, uh CIA, uh MI six or the you know, the next generation Masons. Maybe it's Space Force. I don't know. <laughs> I mean it wouldn't be surprising, <laughs> but, but it can't be yeah. the first time that they've that some government or otherwise entity has attempted something like this to yeah in a lot of ways it's kind of last starfighter but on the other hand it does kind of perhaps you know line up as a viral marketing campaign that didn't really make its point very clear yeah no one was smart enough (laughs) for it (laughs) i'm not sure i mean but it's complex enough that i'm not really satisfied not being sure right well and it's it's just interesting because it's like it's it's smart to use the internet kind of as a platform for those kind of things because mm-hmm. it is a it is a collective mind, right? Like it is this giant world of people that are a lot smarter than you could ever expect or a lot dumber than you could ever expect. And mm-hmm. some really amazing cool things can come from this kind of event. Here's this puzzle that let's see what you guys can do, you know? And I am constantly astounded by what people are able to figure out from those kind of things, you know? Yeah. And I, I, I love any really art or medium or show or product that doesn't assume the audience is stupid. Right, exactly. And that's exactly what this does. It's something that is really, it, it says this is only for smart people, but everyone can try. Yeah. And <laughs> and you and you only get to really know what it is if you are one of those people. So any anyway, the reason I the reason I bring this one up is it's there's so much mystery behind what it is, but the story continues on. There are really only a few pieces from what we think is one source on this mystery. Uh, the rest is just the culture around it. Okay, is what has come to follow behind it in its in its wake. People looking for another clue. People discussing perhaps the first three clues didn't lead all to the same place. Was this a nothing mystery? Was this something huge? Was this a, a spy attempt to judge our intelligence for an invasion? What was this? Mm-hmm. Because there's it, it didn't really seem to resolve itself. But clearly, a lot of work was put into it. For sure. So there's there's yeah. one that's. Um... 
a little similar to this that we didn't do tonight just because we were like, eh, we think two will be plenty. Um, it's called uh, A858, I think, or Ooh, A585, I it. but it, it, it's essentially that same kind of concept. Mm-hmm. Someone um, on Reddit put this thread out. I haven't done really a ton of research on it, so I can't really like speak oh, to yeah, it yeah, much. Oh, yeah, This wasn't your featured but thing. But it's, it's very similar in that regard of, you know, a ton of people were trying to figure it out. There was a whole, a whole nother subreddit called like solving a 858 or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then it all just stopped. So we have, we don't know why we don't know what, you know, and it's yeah, maybe maybe the men in black came and took them away. Quite possibly, <laughs> but it's it's there's definitely more than one tale out there. But you know, cicada is a great example of of that exact kind of thing. Yeah, and and it really just stands out as me to to me is just something that just really could be real, even for the the deepest skeptic that I could ever oh, be. Totally, because it makes perfect <laughs> sense for it to be used in that regard right it isn't Mm -hmm. a far cry at all for it to be a recruiting tool for some think tank you know there's possibly there's a lot that we don't know going on right we're not privy to everything and it could easily like it isn't even a stretch at all to believe that that could be a possibility you know yeah, it may not be uh, the far out stuff that <laughs> some people think. Yeah, <laughs> Lindsay and I, when we first talked about this episode, we talked about how, boy, if we want to tack, just tackle late and great myths of the internet uh, <laughs> as as a folklore device, boy, this that could be a podcast in and of itself. And in fact, it is uh, several other podcasts. Definitely, yes. But we at least wanted to acknowledge that uh, because we are going to see other folk tales, I guess, that are newer, and the internet is going to be part of them. And we kind of wanted to, you know, take a second and look at how really we've changed the way we tell stories to one another. Um, and before we kind of wrap up too much here, we're, we're almost to 50 minutes, but, uh, you know, we have been having a good time. I would really like to kind of turn the lens a little bit on the negative side of this great internet folklore thing that's happening and that that is the we'll put it under the banner of fake news uh yeah and that's uh no one can be really sure if they should trust headlines if they what uh their research really can bring up and just as at least here in america we're seems like it's always election season and we're just about to go into another one and yeah, uh, just everyone try to keep your keep your head screwed on straight, and don't be afraid to do a little bit of research when you read something. Use logic. It's fun. Yeah. <laughs> that being said, we're not a political podcast no. <laughs> either. Everyone's welcome, and I hope you enjoy yes. us. Um. So we we have this episode that we've done tonight. You know, the, this internet folk tales. This is something that we're also more or less doing in our modern folk tale episodes, except for we're actually bringing you. Tales that could that could potentially be something like one of these two that we've talked about tonight. They could easily go viral and grow and build their own following and become exactly the old folk tales that we read, but, you know, mm-hmm. hundreds of years in the future. So we'll continue to keep bringing you those modern folk tales, but we really feel like this was... A good link to the creature that we're going to do next week, which will make a lot more sense when you listen to next week's episode. Um, yeah. And a good reason to listen to next week's episode. You know, we really encourage you to kind of percolate on it. I mean, it's it's a really interesting thing to think about, the, the how yeah, these grow, and, you know. And I, I like to think, yeah, uh, just, of course, I like to imagine that everything's going to be perfect forever for humanity. However, I just, <laughs> I, I, I like to think that uh, maybe we're not alone in this world and maybe something else may find this world at some point. And right now, there's, there, I kind of think their thought might be, boy, these monkeys sure like to tap on glass. <laughs> but look at the strange stories they like to tell. Very, very easily could be the case, I'm sure. I mean, I feel, yeah. not to bring this in, but like, I feel like it's, mathematically impossible for us to be the only you know living sentient beings on a planet oh for sure it's literally impossible 
If space is infinite, yeah. there's a lot of possibilities. Never... M-class is an easy thing yeah, to we... get. And we have a narrow definition of what life even right, is. Exactly. What if there's something that breeds, you know, argon gas? It would leave someplace else. Mm-hmm. So, anyway. We may never um, meet them, but I, we'll see. I, I like to hold out hope that the octopus may one day uh, learn to communicate with us. I sure freaking us. hope so. I love octopuses. And they'll tell us of their beautiful home world. Uh, but uh, <laughs> wouldn't that be neat? In exchange for us focusing on solving their cancer problem, but uh, <laughs> and one the vengeance that they take on us for putting them in aquariums. You yeah, know? I sorry. I started listening to an awesome new book, uh, "Soul of an Oc- Octopus" by Cy Montgomery. Oh, it's a an exploration into consciousness of specifically an octopus, but kind of in general. That's cool. I think that's the same author that one of my Encantado books was about. Cool. That's cool. Yeah. So, out. yeah, we're we're covering all kinds of things <laughs> here on Folklore place. on the Rocks. <laughs> but you can find us on Instagram and Facebook. We are at Folklore on the Rocks. And you can find us on Twitter. At Folklore Rocks! <laughs> you can find pictures, notes, and sources on our website at FolkloreOnTheRocks.com. Um, we do have a Patreon, so if you'd like to donate, we would always appreciate that. It helps immensely. Um, and there's also a PayPal button on our website if you just want to donate a one-time thing. Uh, we have yes, a merch please. shop, Thank you. and it's great. Do note that the shirts may shrink when you wash them, so you may want to size up. So don't wash them. <laughs> Treasure no, them maybe always. maybe just size up. <laughs> Um, or that but uh, that's at folkloreontherocks.threadless.com and we are still doing free stickers if you write us a review and send us in a screenshot so you can do that on Facebook or on iTunes um, or on Stitcher just send that to us and we'll get that out to you Um, once we hit that 100 reviews we will be doing that bonus episode with a listener selected creature so that could be really cool it's maybe your only chance to get us to do you know like bigfoot or chupacabra um (laughs) that's up to you guys or something totally i do love saying chupacabra (laughs) (laughs) um it's up to you so tell your friends (laughs) word of mouth um get us to that hundred reviews and you know we will all have a good time We'll see where we're at when we get there. We'll throw a party. I'll bring funny hats for everybody. But thank you guys for listening and tune in next Sunday. Yeah, thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. 